This is Sandy Floria, and you're listening to She Walks Brave. When I ponder what it looks like to walk brave, I think of women I've met living in small towns or big cities who walk with elderly parents, other abled children, toddlers, and teenagers, some from home, some from outside their homes. Some walk with chronic illness and other unseen wounds. And some of these women walk daily on foreign soil, navigating life in a culture different from their own. I've talked to single women called there by God and living out that call with great courage. Each of them have a valuable story to share on how they bravely live their lives to engage the world around them with the gospel message. Whether married, single, widowed, or divorced, most of them don't feel very brave. They are, and all of them, are my heroes. Today we'll hear part one of a conversation with Nana Vaughn. Nana is a professional educator and lifelong learner. She's a wife to Peyton and mom to three adult sons and grandmom to one little boy that she loves dearly. The conversation we had is about how she walks brave as the mom of an adult son with autism. It's important to note here that Nana's son Reese has autism, but autism does not define Reese. She has over 16 years of classroom experience and now teaches online so that she can stay home to help Reese navigate life. She and her husband Peyton, along with their son Reese, live in North Texas and enjoy car shows and photography. She also loves Jesus and wants to make a path to Him for those she meets and influences. Today on She Walks Brave, I'm having a conversation with a very dear friend, my roommate from college. So we're not going to actually tell our age. We're just going to say we were college roommates. Welcome, Nana Vaughn, to She Walks Brave. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here, too. This is one of those dream come true for me. We've talked about things over the years that we wanted to do together in ministry and in encouragement to women. We both have a heart for that. And you've been a great part of helping me launch She Walks Brave. I know you've been a prayer warrior for me and an encourager and an idea bouncer offer. <laughs> and, and, um, is that a thing, a bouncer offer? <laughs> well, it is now, for sure. We can say what we want. Yeah. I just want to have a conversation with you a little bit about what you do, what your life looks like right now. Okay. I am a mom of three adult sons. Two of my sons have moved out of the house and my middle son, Reese, is autistic and still lives with us. And I work out of my home. So in the mornings, I get up very early. I teach my classes. I do my work. I am doing some other things via the internet that are just starting right now. And after I finish, I try to get Reese up and going, and we occasionally have a routine. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like most of us, actually. We occasionally have a routine. Right? So we do what we do, 
And, you know, sometimes our days are we stay at home and try to navigate life at home. And sometimes our days are we try to navigate life out in the world. Navigating at home can look like we're here by ourselves or if we have somebody else coming into the house, especially if it's somebody that Reese is not familiar with, then we have to do some preparation before anybody comes in. Going out actually is easier than having people come in. That's kind of a weird thing, but I just think somebody invading his safe spot is maybe not a good thing for him. Yeah. So let's talk a little history then. We've established that Reese has autism and you have every moment filled that he's awake. Yes. When did it become evident that Reese had autism? Well, I'm going to actually back up a little bit. Before we realized it was autism, we knew there was a problem. Okay. He did not start talking. He did not start walking at the developmental ages that children do that. He didn't walk until he was over 18 months old. And when he was two, he still wasn't talking. Mm -hmm. And my sister-in-law at the time suggested that we might want to get in touch with early childhood intervention and see if they could help us figure out what was going on. So we did, and we had speech pathologists and physical therapists and people coming into our house to help us out, but they were just coming in and doing the therapies. They never put a name to it. Mm -hmm. So when he turned four, I didn't put him in pre-K right away, like most of the kids were going to pre-K in our town, and I didn't put him there right away because there were issues that you normally don't have with a four-year-old about the bathroom, so... We didn't want to go there. I had two other children in that school, so or I had one other child in that school. My youngest son wasn't in school yet, but the principal finally convinced me that it would be okay if if we did that. Okay. So we have a not totally nonverbal, but non-communicative mm -hmm. four-year-old going into the schools, and everybody knew that there was an issue. You lived in a very small town at this time. I lived in a very small okay. town. So one day I went to a workshop in Abilene. We lived in that area. And on my way home, I was listening to Focus on the Family. And the two sweet ladies that were on there were talking about their children with autism. And they were describing my son. Wow. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is Reese. This is Reese in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. You know, here we go. So I went back and I talked to the diagnostician and said, hey, could we be dealing with this? And they did all the testing. Lo and behold, hey, your son has autism, mm -hmm. which was, you know, it was enlightening. At least we had a, a name for it. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of what happened. They said, hey, your son has autism. Have a nice day. It was drop a bombshell and there's no help with the follow. Yeah, and go home. Go home. Mm-hmm. I lived an hour and 15 minutes away. Your son has autism. Yep, this is what it is. We'll see ya. Hmm. Not very helpful. <sighs> it was helpful in that we had a name, mm -hmm. okay? But when Reese was diagnosed with autism, it was at the very forefront of autism spectrum disorder being a thing. Mm -hmm. Before that, if you said somebody had autism, the visual that you would get probably would be the child who is totally nonverbal, screams all the time, mm -hmm. rocks back and forth. Severely mentally disabled. 
which is severely autistic. Mm -hmm. That's not what we were dealing with. And that's one of the reasons that we had some difficulties putting a name on it. Right. You know, we were kind of at the forefront of schools actually dealing with this outside of the special education classroom. Mm -hmm. That was a long way to say that, but (laughs) that's kind of how we found out. Yeah. Your background is education. My background is education. So that is a very important aspect of life for you, which it should be for all of us. <laughs> yes. That's your area of specialty. And you that's love- That's my passion. That's your passion. I just say, and you yes. love yes. being part of education. Yes. So what kind of mindset shifted in you when you got this name for what Reese mm. had? because they sent me home and basically didn't tell me anything. The first thing I did, as soon as they gave me the paperwork, I went to the school and said, okay, here's what we have. What do I do? Right. I am a trained certified educator, but I had been out of education for a little while. I had kept up with some of the things that were going on, but in the area of special education, I wasn't really up to snuff. Mm -hmm. I went to the school and said, okay, look, here's what I found out. And they said, okay, well, We'll have an ARD meeting and we'll make a plan. Okay, tell us what an ARD meeting is. Okay, an ARD meeting is admission, review, and dismissal into the special education program. Okay. So an ARD meeting is where the parents, the teachers, the administrators, the therapist, any therapist that's going to have a part of the child's education, all come in and try to make a plan for the child. Mm -hmm. Okay. An ARD meeting is a really important thing, and you always, as a parent, you need to be comfortable in that, Hmm. and so many parents of kids with special needs are not comfortable in their ARD meetings, and that needs to be fixed. That's that's one thing that needs to be fixed. So we're going to have an ARD meeting. Well, I'm an educator. I'm a teacher. I'm a lifelong learner. I don't go into anything blind, so... I went home and started doing my research. And the more research I did, the more I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is so my kid. Yeah. And so many of his behaviors came, oh, Mm -hmm. that's why that's happening. Yeah. Because we knew so little about autism. When I started doing the research and started realizing that there are so many other, I don't want to say other disabilities, but other symptoms Mm -hmm. that go along and some of them are disabilities a sensory integration disorder Mm -hmm. and do you know I'm still learning about that I learned something new yesterday wow about sensory integration disorder that explained oh well I should have thought of that and you know and he's 24 so Mm -hmm. we're still feeling our way around sometimes in the dark but we're still going <laughs> but it's so good to know that there is always new information that you can integrate into the ways that you interact with Reese and learning right. new things. And it goes along with your being a lifelong learner. I think that's important for everyone, regardless of what part of the spectrum your child may or may not be on. As long as we can be a lifelong learner, I'm learning that even with my adult children. If I can just be willing to learn and listen to what's happening in the world and be able to integrate that into conversation or into interactions in other ways, it's always beneficial. Yes. So just being teachable, having that teachable heart, 
open your mind to learning things and not accepting everything that dumps in there, but just being willing to hear out the person that's communicating with you and just right. hear what's out there to learn. I think that says a lot for your willingness just to be open to the world and learning. So you're learning new things about how to help your son, help your child. I think it might have been when you did your interview with Grace. You were talking about communicating with your adult children. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing. I'm not just learning still how to deal with Reese. I'm still learning how to deal with all of my kids. Mm -hmm. And even though my other two adult sons don't live in my home, what happens with him still affects them for sure in a big way. Mm -hmm. Often. Yeah. It's a big deal when we go to visit behaviors and how things are going between the siblings, right. you know, that's a whole other part of parenting when you have a, a child or an adult child with disabilities is dealing with your other children that don't have disabilities or have a different set of disabilities because there are many families who have more than one child mm -hmm. dealing with each individual child and recognizing that the needs of one child may be more demanding, but they're not more important. I like it that you said that because maybe families that have a child with special needs get so focused on that child, which it's important because there's a lot of involvement. Yeah. But it's important to have the other children as part of the conversation, but they have needs too. And it's difficult. Yes. I don't live in this world, but I can see how there would be roadblocks or there would be stumbling blocks, perhaps, maybe not roadblocks, right. but just things that you stumble over that might cause another child to feel a little left out or a little neglected. And often embarrassed. I'm oh, just going right. to put that yeah. out there because, you know, when you have, let's just say teenagers and one of the teenagers acts more like a three-year-old than a teenager. Mm -hmm. and that's an all the time thing, not only at home thing, mm -hmm. but out in public too. Mm -hmm. You have embarrassing moments. As a mom, I kind of ended up getting to the place where there's not much that my son can do to embarrass me, mm -hmm. but that doesn't go for the whole family. Right. So you have to deal with that because their emotional well-being is just as important as his emotional well-being and needs. Mm. What is something practical that you could say that might help? Mm, let's see. Well, what I can say is spending time with each one of your kids individually mm -hmm. is really important. Mm -hmm. I probably didn't do that as much as I could, but I really worked hard to go to every sporting event, like every single one. Yeah, yeah. I worked really hard to go to every band competition. Um, I can probably count on one hand the things that I missed of my other boys. Mm -hmm. There were times even when they would say, mom, it's okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was important to me for them to know that I was there mm -hmm. because there's was so often that my attention was pulled from them that I wanted them to know, hey, my mom's here. Yeah. And often when I was there, that meant Reese was there with me almost always. Mm -hmm. But usually 
most of the time we could navigate that mm-hmm. in a decent way. Yeah. Occasionally we hit a rough spot. And sometimes when you hit those rough spots, they're rough spots. Really rough. When you're out of town at a football game, like way out of town at a football game, and there's a super huge meltdown because you won't buy a cup for the soda. Yeah. The lesson that we took away from that was, you know what, buy the cup. Buy the cup. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was a $2 cup. Right. And we were trying to make the point that you don't always have to have the cup that comes. Yeah. (laughs) But just buy the cup. Yeah. We say, what hill are you going to choose to die on? This is the cup hill. (laughs) We nearly died on the cup hill. (laughs) All of us. That's important, though. I think whatever your parenting situation is, you have to really be willing to choose. Stand your ground and, you know, take the hits or I'm not going there. It doesn't really matter. Is the cup that important or not? Or is the principle of the cup important? But yeah, I think you have to decide that for any of your children. Any right. of the, the situations that you come into. But I can right. see how navigating that with a special needs child would be tricky. And I have to say this. Sometimes you have to approach that from that lesson may be for another day. Yeah. It's not that you're not going to teach that lesson. I mean, I'm telling you, there are still days. My son's 24 years old. He has autism. We go out. There are still days When I have to say, okay, this is a lesson for another day. And there are times when I have to say, no, we are absolutely not doing that. And if you continue with this, we're going home. Mm -hmm. We're just not going to even do this. We're just, we'll go home. Mm -hmm. But there are some days when I just say, you know, it's $4. Is it really that important? Or can we choose to do that another day? Yeah. And sometimes, too, they need to see that you don't always expect them to make the compromise. Yeah. That's just putting that out there for all of your kids. They need to see that you can be flexible at times. Right. And you and I grew up in a generation of, I'm the parent, I said it, that's the law, the end. Right. And I think sometimes we have to do that still. I think there are days when you have to say, we're not going there. That's it. Right. But I think like you're saying, there are days that we can say, you know what? It doesn't matter. Let's be flexible. Your needs are important. Your needs are more important than me being the boss of everything. Yeah. Right. Well, I was just going to say, especially maybe in today's world, we as parents, yes, we want our children to listen to us. We want, especially our young children. Right. We want them to listen to us, that we want them to do what we say, because often it's part of their safety for for them to do what we say. We also want them to see that we don't have to be right just for the sake of being right. Absolutely. Especially in today's culture. They need to see that, Mm -hmm. that we don't have to be right just to be right. Mm -hmm. That sometimes it's okay to just say, okay, never mind. So you said in today's culture, what about today's culture would cause you to make that statement? Mm, Because I believe that we live in a society where we are more, in general, as a population, we are more focused on being right than we are on being peaceful. Mm. 
and I think it happens in the church. I think it happens in politics. I think it happens in schools. I think it happens everywhere. Across the board. Across the board. We are so focused on, I want to be right. And I want you to say that I'm right. And to be heard and to be acknowledged yeah. and to be validated. Yes. Yeah. And the whole thing is, you know what? If I believe I'm right, and that is my conviction that I'm right, I can still live peacefully with you if you think I'm wrong. Yeah. It's okay. Absolutely. I can still be nice to you. I can still love you. I can still be your friend. You know, that just goes a long way to one of the things right now that we're dealing with uh, Reese is that he is kind of a gamer. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he gets in chat rooms with people. And in his mind, things are one way only. Mm -hmm. And he goes into these chat rooms and these people say different things. And he gets thrown out of chat rooms all the time <laughs> because he just gets really adamant that he is right yeah. or that he wants something. And he just I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Mm -hmm. We have to say, you know what? You can do that at home and we can't escape from you. <laughs> but they can kick you out of the chat room. They yeah. don't have to listen to that. Yeah. And I think it goes a long way to say, if you want to be heard, hear other people. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to live for all of us. If you want to be heard, hear. Yeah. Can I just say one thing before we move on? Yes. I want to speak to the moms out there because okay. I'm telling you that there is not a mom of a child, but especially of a special needs child anywhere who believes that she is brave. She's just doing what she has to do. Absolutely. You know, we've been talking about this interview for a little while. And when I was kind of thinking about what do I want to say, I found a Bible verse it just really spoke to my heart. I went back and found it in the King James, and it basically says the same thing in the King James, in the NIV, and in the message. So I took the one that's in the message because I like the way it's worded. Okay. Psalm 31, 24 says, be brave, be strong, don't give up, expect God to get here soon. Oh. And that is so important when you are in the throes of that day, when you think, oh my word, I am not going to make it through this. I can tell you when you're in the middle of a 26 hour meltdown, <sighs> you have pulled out all your bag of strategies and tricks and <laughs> nothing is working. That is so important that we just expect God to show up. Yeah. That we just know that this may last a little bit longer, but God is going to show up. And when he does, there's going to be peace and it's going to be okay. That's just a hard place to be. Right. Those stressful times for people with children or adult children with a disability, sometimes the thought is, this is never going to end. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And it's not that you begrudge that child your care for the rest of your life, but you get tired. Just that verse, Psalm 31, 24, be brave, be strong, don't give up, expect God to show up soon because he will. So that's my encouragement. And that's a good place to shift gears because 
we're talking about being brave. Mm-hmm. I'll just venture to say that you haven't thought of yourself as being brave. Just like you said, most moms who are living this kind of life don't think of themselves as brave. They right. think, this is my life. This is the way I live. And this is my child. And I'm going to do what I can to take care of my child. Right. That doesn't feel brave. But I just want to say, having known you for a long time and having watched you mostly from a distance because we live far apart, you are one of the bravest people I know. And I see how brave you walk every day and have walked every day. And it's not just Reese. It's not just because of having Reese as your child. Right. That's part of your life. But I also know you've made choices throughout the course of your life that are very brave choices. I know as a college student, you didn't have a lot of support for your faith from home. Right. I know that. I know that your parents were not as supportive of your faith, but you still chose to walk bravely into this walk with the Lord and pursued God just breakneck 100%. I watched you do that and encouraged me to do the same. I know there's a pattern in your life of bravery that I seriously doubt you would call it that. Right. You know, I was thinking about this when you first started talking to me about doing an interview. And one of the questions at the very beginning that you sent me was, was there ever a time in your life that you felt brave? And I was like, nope. I was always scared spitless, you know, (laughs) I was always terrified. But when I got to thinking about it, there were a couple of times when I didn't feel brave. But when I look back, I think, you know, that was a brave thing for me to do. I had never lived more than 30 minutes away from my family. I moved three hours away. I had never moved more than three hours away from my family. And a year later, I moved to New York, which... (laughs) Which is scary for a girl from Texas. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I moved to New York. I didn't know anybody. I was going to work on a college campus that I was very unfamiliar with in an environment that I was very unfamiliar with that wasn't always mm, as friendly toward what I was doing as it could have been. Mm -hmm. You know, when I look back at that, I think, wow, I did that and stuck it out. I'm not sure I could do that now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure I'm that brave anymore. (laughs) I think as college students, we don't think about it being brave. Maybe you're just kind of out of your mind a little bit. You know, you're just right. Boom, I'm out there. Right. Well, I was going to work on a college campus and that made me really happy because um, that's just kind of, again, education is one of Mm -hmm. my passions and reaching those people on that campus was really important to me. So, you know, when I look at that, I think, okay, that was kind of brave. But when I was doing it, I guarantee there were many, many days when I did not feel brave (laughs) at all. The first day I had to drive in the snow, I did not feel brave. (laughs) We don't do that very often in Texas, for sure. (laughs) No. In fact, my boss called me the night before and said, hey, we're going to get snow tonight. When you wake up in the morning, there's a very good chance that everything's going to be white and you're going to go to work. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, 
okay, how am I going to get there? And he said, you're going to drive your car. It's going to be okay. Trucks will be out. They'll have everything cleared off. You're good. But when you wake up and see that it's snowing, don't go back to bed. Go to work. Because <sighs> that's what we do in Texas. We go back to bed. Yeah, we have snow days. You know, in New York, it's a little bit different. Right. If you have a snow day, it's because the snow is so heavy that you can't see anything. Right. But <laughs> So when I look back, I say, well, maybe that was kind of brave. As far as us feeling brave, I think when we're in the middle of it, we very rarely feel brave. One of the things that I have talked about with other women is how ordinary they feel and how normal their life feels and looks to them and even from the outside. What would you say to women who have that attitude? I'm just ordinary. Yeah, you are. And you do brave things. Hmm. The thing is, we are. We're just people. And we just do what we do. And some of those things are brave. Mm -hmm. Some of those things are really brave. And sometimes it's brave for a very long time. And sometimes it's just a little snapshot of brave. Mm -hmm. I think in today's world, again, being ordinary is something we try to overcome. Mm. And I'm not sure we should do that. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that we shouldn't just try to be the people that God made us to be and do what God called us to do. We don't have to be somebody else. We don't have to be like somebody else. We can just be us and do us with God. Isn't that the beauty of who God creates us to be? Because we are all so individual and God knows that about us. He knows that you are this woman because that's who he wants you to be. And I am this woman because that's who God wants me to be. I think there's such freedom when we begin to really see that and to walk in that with confidence and bravery. This is who I am. Quirks, whatever things that that are just part of my life. It is who we are. I believe when we take ownership of our own personality, it takes a lot of bravery to get to know yourself, to reflect and say, I'm going to figure out who Sandy is. I'm going right. to spend some time by myself with the Lord and figure that out. And many people, myself included, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to spend time with myself because I wasn't sure I was going to like me. But it's a brave <laughs> thing to step into that and really figure that out and begin to see that there is a transformative work that God wants to do in us to be who he created us to be, and then walk in that. Right. Sometimes just getting to know ourselves is a brave thing. And then walking in that bravery, just doing it. I think that's really important. And I think, you know, we live in a world where we compare ourselves to other people all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some days when I just look at it and think, God, how did we get here? How did we get to the point where we think we have to be like somebody else? to be good Mm. or to be okay. And the whole point is we don't Mm -hmm. and we aren't. (laughs) It doesn't matter if we want to be because you can remake yourself to be like somebody else, but on the inside, you're still you. Yeah. So yeah, I think to the people who think they're ordinary, I would say that is so okay. Yeah. It is so okay to be ordinary and to be ordinary and walk with God. Because when you're ordinary and you walk with God, you can do extraordinary things. Absolutely. And then 
you can't take credit for them because you're just ordinary. <laughs> right? Right. And we have to give God credit because I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I didn't do that. Thank you, Ignana, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. This ends part one of my conversation with Nana Vaughn. Please come back next week to hear more about how she walks brave as the mom of an adult with special needs. Please go to our website and click on the Brave blog page to find resources for raising children with special needs. If you have any ideas or resources that you'd like to share with those who listen to the She Walks Brave podcast, please email me at sandy at shewalksbrave.com. We'd love to share your resources with others who need help. Thank you. I do hope you're all encouraged to either keep on making brave choices or to start on a new path of walking brave in your life. Wherever you are in the journey, know that I'm here cheering you on. Walk brave, dear ones. To read more, go to my website, shewalksbrave.com. If you'd like to share a story or how this podcast has inspired you to walk brave, or if you know of a woman who's walking brave in what she does every day, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, sandy at shewalksbrave.com, S-A-N-D-I at shewalksbrave.com. Stay up to date on our podcast, go to SheWalksBrave.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at SheWalksBrave. Our theme music is by Nicole Nordeman. Our special background music is composed and recorded by Cadence Floria. This program is mastered by Bram Floria. She Walks Brave is a ministry of Compassion Ventures. I'm Sandy Floria, and this is She Walks Brave.